Do take a seat again. Uh, and a good evening uh, from me. It is uh, great to be able to add my welcome to Steve's uh, from earlier. And it's great to be uh, back together this evening, um, kicking off a new series together, uh, a series that hopefully uh, we pray and hope and pray will last over the summer Sunday evenings, the next 11 weeks or so. And in, those, in this series, we're going to be looking at prayers recorded right the way um, through the Bible, right from Genesis all the way through um, to the final words that we read in the Bible in Revelation um, as well. And the title we've given uh, this series is A Praying People. And we've given that title for a number of reasons, but the primary reason is this, that we here at Great Vic want to be that, a praying people. And so as we consider uh, the wide variety of prayers that we will over the next few weeks, it's my hope and prayer that they will encourage and help us to be that praying people, a people who are both as individuals um, and corporately together regularly praying and seeking the Lord in everything that we do. We're going to look together over these weeks at prayers of blessing, prayers of praise, confession, prayers that we can pray daily, prayers of honesty and openness, prayers for ongoing spiritual strength, and so much more as well. And as we consider all of those prayers, the aim will hopefully be for those prayers to begin to form us, to show us the many ways that we can pray. In many ways, that is maturing in Christ, which fits so nicely with what we were thinking about this morning as we'll be going through Colossians as well. These prayers are aiming to, to show us the ways we can pray whatever circumstances we find ourselves in as Christians. And we hope also that as we study these together over the next few months, they will also create in us a greater desire to pray. As we together, individu- together and, uh, and individually seek the Lord, and as we see the beauty and importance of prayer in our lives... Now, I have to say, as as I stand up here and kickstart a series on prayer, I do so a a little bit nervous, a little bit daunted. Um, Prayer is such a big topic, isn't it? So so many things to cover, and it's never going to be possible to do it justice, to talk about prayer in, in all its entirety. And I also come here feeling daunted because I guess I feel a bit inadequate. I guess, who am I? to begin a series on prayer, when I know in my own heart I can often be so slow to pray. Um, And I feel that, and yet also, at the same time, I'm thankful that I don't stand here because of my merits in prayer. But I stand here in God's grace, as we all do, right? We stand fully on God's grace. And I stand as someone who, in weakness, is seeking to be more prayerful in my own life more reliant on God in everything. And I hope that that is all of our attitudes here this evening. That is our desire uh, as individuals, hopefully as Christians, and as us as a church, that we would want to come to God more and more in our lives. See, the reality is that so many of us find it hard to pray, don't we? In fact, J.C. Ryle, an English bishop from the late 19th century, went as far as saying this in an article simply entitled, provocatively, Do You Pray? This is what he writes. I have come to the conclusion that the great majority of professing Christians do not pray at all. 
If that was possibly true in the late 19th century, we don't know. It's possibly even more true today, isn't it? In a, in a world where there, is, there are even more distractions, fewer spaces and space for stillness built into our days. So I guess the question is, if this is true, that it's possible that uh, some of us as Christians pretty much never pray, and others of us only occasionally or sometimes pray, what should we do about that? Maybe we should just accept it and move on. What do you think? Maybe we should just give up on prayer. Jimmy's shaking his head. (laughs) And I agree with him. That isn't the way forward, is it? It isn't to say, well, we don't pray, so we give up. No, we say that isn't the way forward because we should not just go about accepting a relative prayerlessness in our life, just giving up on prayer, Because first of all, God, through his word, calls us to pray. He calls us to it again and again and again. And he invites us to come to him. And why wouldn't we take up that invitation? This is uh, where we're going to start this evening. As I introduce this topic of praying people, I want us just to see briefly in, in scripture the priority of prayer. As it's commanded and also as it's modeled to us. First of all, as it's commanded. See, as Christians, we need to see and understand that prayer is never simply this little nice add-on to our Christian faith. But instead, the Bible repeatedly says that it is something that we should be engaged in all the time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, sums it up well for us and with the command to pray without ceasing. And Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says very similarly, it calls us to be constant in prayer. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, right, that very famous verse that we often come back to, well, it's a similar command, isn't it? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything. Pray. And then on top of that, Jesus also taught his disciples to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, he first of all assumes a practice of private prayer. He says to his disciples, When you pray, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And then he also goes on, doesn't he, to teach us how to pray with others too in the Lord's Prayer. Prayer is never an added extra to the Christian life. It is central to the Christian life. And it should be something that we are doing regularly and repeatedly. Having said that, I guess it would be easy to say, uh, sure, I hear you, Simon, but commands, well, they often can be a bit dry, can't they? In which case, perhaps what we need is we need some examples to inspire and help us. Well, they're written down for us in the Bible as well, aren't they? Just start with the two passages that Manuel read for us earlier from Genesis chapter 4 and Acts 1. We'll come back to those uh, again in a little bit. But first of all, I want to see how they show us a people who are committed to praying. Genesis chapter 4 verse 26 pictures people in ongoing prayer. This is what it said at the end there. At that time... 
people began to call upon the name of the Lord. And the idea here is that they began to and they continued to. That would be a good starting place for us as we think about prayer, wouldn't it? Maybe we don't pray much. Well, let's at least just begin. Begin praying, even if it's just short prayers to begin with. But then let's use that beginning as the starting point to go on tomorrow, the next day, and the day after that to keep more and more regularly praying and seeking the Lord. And then think about that inspiring example of the disciples and the women after Jesus went up to heaven back in uh, the passage we read from Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. They go up to the upper room and we read these incredible words. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Isn't that an encouraging example for us as we seek to be a praying people here at Great Vic? If you think about the early disciples, right, they they were people who, I guess, of any people, could have gone about relying on the fact that they'd just been with Jesus. They were in some ways the inner circle, weren't they? So they could have just, I guess, tried to get on with God's work in their own strength. But instead, you see, they go after Jesus has has ascended to heaven, and they go and fall on their knees. They ask God for his help, his strength, his guidance, as they seek to do what Jesus has commanded them. If the disciples needed to do that, and we see them doing that right the way through the book of Acts, how much more do we need to do that in our lives? Just on this, wouldn't that be an incredible thing to say about us here at Great Vic? Verse 14 there in Acts chapter 1, that with one accord we devote ourselves to prayer. I have to say that our prayer meetings here here at Great Vic have probably been some of the most encouraging times I've had since I've been here in the past year or so. Seeing this kind of example lived out. People from right across the church, all walks of life, young and old, uniting together, devoting themselves together in prayer, calling on the name of the Lord, relying on him in all things. As I've heard others of you in prayer meetings pray I myself have felt the Lord stirring my own heart to pray along with you. That's one of the encouragements of praying with others, isn't it? And then I've also been encouraged as a result to pray, similarly myself in the prayer meetings, but then also myself as I've gone on in the rest of my week. There's a reason why this summer, even as some of the things do wind down over the summer months in the life of the church, we're not going to let the prayer meeting wind down. There will be a prayer meeting here every single Wednesday over the summer months. And the reason is that we want to be like these disciples. Not ever going about our lives in our own strength, but always coming back to God and doing it in God's strength. Asking him to be at work according to the counsel of his will and not our own. These kind of models of God's people being constant in prayer like we've seen in Genesis and in Acts. They're everywhere in the Bible, aren't they? Just, just think of individuals as well, like Daniel. Do you remember? He was commanded, do not pray. And yet we go on to read, 
he still got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had previously. What an example that should encourage us. And then think of David's prayers, Paul's prayers. They're throughout the Bible. And these examples, they're just a start, aren't they? As we get into the Bible, we're going to see them again and again. God's people are a praying people. So I guess the question for us as we begin this series this evening is, are we? Are we a praying people here at Great Vic? Are we a people who both individually and corporately regularly spend time in prayer, praising God, speaking openly with him, presenting our requests to him, asking for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in our lives, in our church, in our city, and in the whole world. And if we're not praying, why not? Maybe life is just too busy. We can all feel that, can't we, at times. Maybe you've just taken on too much. And actually, this call here is just a need to recalibrate your priorities. Because prayer shouldn't be that added extra for just when we manage to squeeze the time in amongst the rest of our busy lives. Tim Keller, the American pastor and writer, puts it like this. All Christians are expected to have a regular, faithful, devoted, fervent prayer life. If that's the case, I guess the challenge here is, how are you going to purposefully go about making space and time for that to be true in your life? Or perhaps you're not praying because actually, when it comes to it, you think too highly of yourself. Maybe you wouldn't say it with your mouth, but you believe it in your heart. You get up each day and actually you genuinely think that you can get through that day yourself in your own strength. Or maybe, on the other hand, you don't pray because you think too little of God. You get up each morning and either forget that he's there or you remember he's there, but As Steve kind of talked about on Wednesday, you think of him more as a God who perhaps one day in the past wound up the world and now is just sitting back uninterested. Well, let me just tell you this evening, neither of those things are true. You are not as capable and as in control of things as you think you might be. Hasn't Ecclesiastes over the past uh, few months shown us that time and time again? And God really does care about you. He cares about you here and now. He actually wants you to come to him in your current situation. He invites you to. He invites you to come to him with your struggles, with your cares, with your joys in all of your life. God is not far from you. And he longs for you to come to him, to seek his face, to present all of your requests to him. Linked to this, then, I want us to to then think about this second thing this evening, the privilege of prayer. That prayer, even if uh, sometimes we wouldn't think about this, is a great privilege that we have as Christians. And hopefully, as we consider this, it's going to add there to what we've just been saying and encourage us to pray more regularly. Again, we could say so much on the privilege of prayer, couldn't we? We're only scratching the surface this evening. But what I want us to see this evening is two reasons why prayer is a privilege. And both of those 
are reliant on us remembering who it is that we are praying to. First of all, the one we speak to when we pray is the most important, glorious, mightiest one we can ever speak to. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 12, we were told that the people began to call on the name of the Lord. That is the Lord, capitalized, you'll find in your Bible. That is Yahweh, the great I am, the one who is self-existent and outside of time. Just think about that in the context of prayer. We're invited to talk with this God, the Lord, Yahweh, the one who is before and outside of time. Isn't that incredible? That is who we speak with. But not only that, we can also talk to him as one who mightily made all things. In Genesis chapter 2, we read that same word, the Lord made the earth and the heavens. So in prayer, not only are we calling on the name of one who is self-existent outside of time, but one who is mighty. He made the earth and the heavens. We so often forget who it is that we are speaking to in prayer, don't we? Just uh, for a moment, think of the one person perhaps that you most admire in your life. Maybe think of a celebrity or, or a musician or a footballer or a writer that you just so admire. For me, Alan Shearer. What a guy, right? Those of you who are into your football, best striker. Anyway, I'm back on topic. Imagine your person, that whoever that is for you. And now imagine that this week you get a message from them saying, hey, shall we meet up this, this Saturday morning? Are you free? Do you want to talk? Imagine how you're feeling. What are you thinking? That person who I think is so amazing, they're interested in me. They want to have a relationship with me. Well, here's what the Bible tells us. The Lord, your creator, the one who made the earth and heavens, he wants to have a relationship with you. And it's not just a one-way relationship. We could think of it like that, couldn't we? And often people do think of it as like that with, with the Lord. He tells us, right, what to do, and then we're left to get on with it. But no, this is a living, personal, daily relationship with our maker, where we can speak open and honestly with him. We see that happen so often in the Bible. We'll see that in many of the prayers that we'll, we'll look at over this series. This is the immense privilege of prayer that we so often forget. When we wake up tomorrow morning, we have the opportunity to start our day by speaking with our Creator God. And there's also another thing that we need to remember about the privilege of prayer. Because in speaking with our Creator God, we are also praying to someone who is currently at work in our world and in our lives. He's able to do something about what we are speaking to him about. See, for example, your car breaks down. Steve's car broke down the other day. There's no point in Steve coming and speaking to me. He did speak, about, speak to me about his car, but he didn't speak to me as someone who was going to do anything about it. I just was able to, to nod and maybe show a little bit of sympathy. But 
Steve wants his car fixed, he's going to go get it towed away and taken to a mechanic, somebody who can do something about it. Well, just think about this. God, as the creator of all things, he is the ultimate expert on all things. He is the one who made the world, who understands everything about the world, and he made you, and he understands everything that is going on in your life. And he is powerful to work in your life. He's the one that we get to speak to and present our requests to whenever we want. When we pray, we speak with the sovereign Lord, who we're told in the Bible is today ruling over all things and ruling over our lives. And who we also read in the Bible, incredibly, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. When we pray to him, God not only hears our requests, which is pretty incredible to start with, but he then actually can do something about them. In the words of that children's song, I think this sums it up, right? My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there is nothing that he cannot do. The truth is that when we pray to the Lord for healing, he can heal. When we pray to the Lord for justice, he can bring about justice. When we pray to him for strength to simply get through the next hour, he can give that to us. That is who our God is. Now, sometimes the answers don't always come in the way that we either hoped or expected. But that is never because God came up short and he wasn't able to answer our prayers. But actually, because he knows our needs, our situations, even better than we know them ourselves. And he acts in line with that. Maybe this would encourage us as a people here at Great Vic to pray more, if we remember this privilege of prayer. So often, praying can simply feel like that one more thing on our to-do list that maybe we don't do today and it makes us feel bad. But prayer is simply getting to speak with God. That is a privilege. God, who knows all things, who made all things, and who can do all things. To help us uh, remember this, hopefully uh, you've got around you somewhere a little slip of paper. When you get home, it's a piece of paper maybe to stick beside your bed or, or on your bathroom mirror somewhere tomorrow morning that you'll see it. And hopefully these verses can encourage us, encourage us even just starting small to speak with the Lord. Genesis chapter 4 verse 26 is on there, right? Tomorrow, look at that verse and, and join with those who pretty much right from the beginning of creation have called on the name of the Lord. Let their example inspire you and encourage you. And remember the privilege of prayer. So much of that is what we've just been talking about, summed up in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says there, we are speaking with the one who made heaven, earth, seas. And you notice who continues to preserve them all. That is his ongoing work in the world and in his people. And incredibly, because of the work of Christ... The incredible thing is we do not come to this holy, mighty, glorious God in fear and trembling, which could have been the case. We don't come scared that he might be angry with us. 
desperately hoping to get exactly the right word so that we can have access to him. But instead, as we were thinking about earlier, we come to him today as Father. Father, he is our Father and we are his children. He loves to give good gifts, like we were reading about earlier. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. Let's remember these truths about our God. He is one outside of time. He is our creator. He is an all-powerful God and a loving Father. And then as we remember those truths, let's let them in turn encourage us as a church and as individuals to again and again be coming back to him, remembering the privilege of coming to this God in prayer. So, so far we've seen the priority of prayer. Then second, the privilege of prayer. But now, thirdly, I want us to finish uh, the rest of this evening by considering something of what we should pray. We could say a purpose of prayer. We've already touched on this, and as I said, over the next few weeks we'll see even more of this as we see all the kinds of prayers modeled, of confession, of praise, of crying out in weakness, of meeting our daily needs. Prayer is as diverse and rich as you can imagine, and that's the exciting thing that we have to look forward to over the next few weeks. But tonight, I want us to kick off this consideration of the purpose of prayer, of what we pray, by thinking again about Genesis chapter 4, verse 26, and then the early chapters of the book of Acts. Look with me, first of all, at Genesis chapter 4. It'd be helpful if you have that in front of you. What is it that the people are praying as they begin to call on the name of the Lord? Well, in verse 26 of chapter 4, it doesn't say, does it? And it doesn't go on then to say in chapter 5 either. I'm sure there might have been many things that that were prayed. But look with me there at the context of Genesis chapter 4, and I think we will get a pretty big clue about what this calling on the name of the Lord was about. See, up to Genesis uh, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 25, in all of that chapter, we see this kind of downward spiral. We're told of Cain, who kills his brother Abel. And then jumping on quite a long way, but we jump on to verse 23 there, we read of one of Cain's descendants, Lamech. And he seemingly also kills someone, and he not only kills someone, but then he seems to go about boasting about it. This is the reality and seriousness of sin, isn't it? It spreads and it causes so much destruction in the world around us. And it's into that situation that verses 25 and 26 speak. Adam and Eve bear another son, Seth, and then he bears a son, Enosh. Now, we're not told anything more here, but I think we're meant to see in the mention of these descendants the potential for hope. Do you remember back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God has promised that the offspring of the woman will crush one day the serpent, the devil. Well now I think we begin to see here the people beginning to call on the name of the Lord to send that promised serpent crusher. 
We, it seems like in, in this context, Seth, well, he's not the one, is he? And then the people are realizing, well, maybe it's not Enosh either. But the people know God's promise. And they know and they can feel around them the desperate situation that they find themselves in. And so what do they do? They call on the name of the Lord. It doesn't seem that Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that promise will be fulfilled immediately through Seth, through Enosh. But the people begin to ask that one day it would be fulfilled. Lord, they say, you promised to send someone to crush the serpent, to put things right. Please, Lord, do that. We desperately need you to do that for us. As I said, there are many prayers that we can pray, but this, I think, is a primary purpose of prayer that we see right the way through Scripture, starting here in Genesis chapter 4, and that is to call out to God, calling out to Him in weakness and calling out to Him to fulfill His promises and to act according to His will. In Acts chapter 1, we read this earlier, Jesus has just ascended to heaven. And what do the disciples do? They recognize their need of God. They gather together to pray in weakness. Again, we're not told specifically what they pray, but surely, given the context, it has to include asking for God to fulfill his promises, to fulfill what Jesus has just spoken to them. Verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, to ask God for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And to ask God that he would help them to go on to be these faithful witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, right to the end of the earth, like Jesus has called them to be. In their weakness, the disciples and the women call out to God to fulfill his promises and to carry out his will in their lives. And we see them similarly coming before the Lord right the way through the book of Acts including powerfully in chapter 4, where they ask for the Lord. They've just been threatened by the Jewish leaders. They ask for the Lord to look upon the threats that they've received from the Jewish leaders and to grant them to continue to speak the Lord's word with all boldness. Why? Because they know that is God's will for their lives. They have been called to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. This purpose of prayer, as we, as we look at it and see it there, holds very much the same, same shape, doesn't it, as the prayer that many of us have prayed when we first became Christians. Maybe we remember that prayer ourselves or immediately, call it to mind. Maybe we don't. But that is the shape. This is the shape. We recognize, don't we, that in our weakness, in our sin, we are in a desperate situation. And so we call out to God as the only one who can draw us up from the pit of destruction and put us and set our feet upon the rock. He is the only one who, as he promised to, could forgive us our sins and give us new life, eternal life, as Jesus himself promised. Here's what he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So you see there, there is that promise from Genesis chapter 3 fulfilled. God's people calling and God acting. His son, and why did he give his son? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
That is the shape of prayer right at the beginning of the Christian life, calling on God in our weakness to forgive us, to fulfill his promises to us. And that is a primary way that we just continue to pray every single day, following the example of Genesis chapter 4, the disciples in Acts, and so many others in the Bible. So, practically, what should we pray then? as a praying people here at Great Vic, what should we be asking God to fulfill in our lives and in our church? Things he has promised us. Or things that are according to his will, as we see laid out for us in the Bible. For example, we could have loads here. We're going to look at three. For example, in our weakness, we pray that he will hold us fast. We pray that he will hold all of us as Christians fast to him, even in testing, trying circumstances. And we pray that remembering that Christ said this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We pray according to Christ's promise. Or we pray, in our weakness, Lord, sanctify us. Help us to live more and more as we ought to live. Throwing off the sin which clings so closely that God would get the glory in our lives. And we do that remembering that Jesus himself showed us that that is God's will for us. Jesus himself prayed for us. As believers in John chapter 17, praying this, sanctify them in the truth. And it's in so many of Paul's prayers, as we've been looking at that as well over the past weeks in our small groups. That is God's will for our lives, that he would sanctify us. So that is what we pray, knowing that he is faithful to fulfill his promises and his will. Or we pray in our weakness, spread the gospel Lord. We pray for God to keep doing his kingdom work of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And we do that remembering that that is what Jesus has commanded us to do, that we go and make disciples in the Great Commission. And we remember, don't we, that sure and certain image that we can kind of see as a promise, right, that we thought about this morning from Revelation chapter 7 knowing that this ultimately will be true, that one day there will be a great multitude that no one could number, standing from every nation, from all tribes, from all peoples, all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We pray according to God's promises and his will revealed to us. Those are just some of the prayers given to us in Scripture that we can get us started. But isn't this exciting? As we turn to God's Word, He reveals more and more of that to us. And they are beautiful, incredible things for us to pick up and pray for ourselves, but also be praying for all of us here at Great Vic as we seek to more and more do God's will, for Him to use us. So let's this week, and then on through the summer, as a praying people at Great Vic, pray these things. Pray that God would hold us fast. Pray that he would sanctify us. And pray that he would, even in our weakness, use us to spread his good news right across the city, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our houses, 
It isn't that in praying these things, we're suddenly twisting God's arm, convincing him, you see, to do them. Because we know in Scripture they are according to his purposes. They are what he wants for our lives and for our church. For our church. But also we see in prayer that God has given us prayer as a means that he uses to bring about this will for our lives and for the lives of all of those uh, around us. In wrapping up all of this this evening, I want us to see one thing that ties all of these strands together, the priority of prayer, the privilege of prayer, and the purpose of prayer. And that is, I think, summing all of this up, a humble and dependent heart. This is the heart of prayer. It is a heart that constantly says, I need to pray. I cannot do this on my own. Look who I am. Look who God is. If I'm going to get through this, if I'm going to live according to his will for my life, I am going to need to daily draw on him and come to him to ask for strength and for help. A heart that says, who am I to be the one to spread the the good news of Christ? And yet in Christ, I ask you, Lord, use me. Use the gifts and talents that you've given me to do that. Here's how one commentator sums all of this up. Continual prayer is the ongoing reminder that God's children are always and wholly dependent on the heavenly Father, their heavenly Father for all things. As we go on into the series over the rest of this summer, let's step out in prayer together at Great Vic. Let's ask that God would make us more and more dependent on him and make us a people who again and again, regularly, repeatedly come to him in all circumstances, in everything. And let's ask that he would use us in our weakness according to his will to fulfill his purposes. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we do, we can this evening come to you, our Heavenly Father, in prayer. Lord, we're sorry for when we are so slow to remember the great joy and privilege it is that we come to you, our Maker, our Creator, and one who can do all things. Lord, please would you remind us of these truths that we've thought about this evening, of who you are, of what you call us to be as a people who are every single day dependent on you. And Lord, thank you for your revealed will for us and for this world in in your word. Lord, please also help us to be a people who are regularly in your word. And then please would you help us to pray according to your purposes. And please would you do your work in our lives. Lord, this, uh, we pray over this, the rest of this uh, summer series that you would be shaping us, forming us, helping us to be this people who are more and more dependent on you and regularly and repeatedly, individually and then together as well, are people who fall on our knees before you in prayer, relying on you and you alone for all things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close, we're going to sing again together and we're going to
remember all that God has done for us in our weakness, pulling us from the raging sea and putting us safe on solid ground. Let's respond and stand and sing as the musicians begin to play.
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. 